Hi, I'm Michael Dorenda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to our first North Meets South web podcast. How are you, Jake? Hey, Michael. How's it going? Good yourself? I'm doing well. Doing well. So, uh, we wanted to spend uh, a couple minutes today just kind of introducing ourselves, let you guys know who we are, a little bit of our background, what we're doing, how we met, and uh, then talk about a couple of things that we're working on this week. So, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Cool. Um, so, I've uh, been working with computers since I was young. I don't know how young. Um, but my first computer was an old Amstrad PC-20. Um that my folks had um, used to enjoy breaking and fixing that. And uh, is that one of those old console based ones? Like, is it literally yeah. just a console? Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And um, you know, the old DOS prompts and things like that. So that was that was my first exposure to computers. And then Windows three point one, and then ninety five. Um, and I was always breaking them, always fixing them, and always freaking my my mum out. And in doing so. Um, but yeah, I knew, I knew fairly early on that, that I was going to play with computers for a living and uh, I went through a phase working uh, in customer service at a, at a computer shop um, straight out of school. Um, I did a bit of university, only one semester. Turned out it wasn't for me. Went overseas for a few weeks, came back, got offered a job at a startup internet service provider as a customer service manager. And from there, we identified a need for a provisioning system. Um, so that was really when I first started using PHP back in the late PHP four days. Um, and that was more around learning. I don't, I'd, I'd always wanted to use PHP, but never had a reason for it. So I got into that, built up that provisioning system. Unfortunately, that company went bankrupt. We got absorbed by our wholesaler. Um, did a bit more time in customer service there and then ended up uh, making my way into programming full-time. Um, that was 2006. So uh, 10 years later, I'm now, um, I guess, I like to think I know what I'm doing most of the time um, <laughs> as a PHP developer. Um, my my tool set is generally Laravel, uh, MySQL, PHP, uh, obviously. A bit of a you know, front-end JavaScript sprinkled in on top of that. I noticed you've taken a, you've kind of taken on the role of uh, or the front end framework of Vue lately. You've been working with that a little bit, I know. You had a couple things yeah. working with uh, Matt Stauffer with, uh, um, what was the name of that? Front. What was the name Confomo. of that? Confomo. That's it. Yeah, Confomo. And so you've been doing some of that. You did a couple things with Eric Barnes and a README. I saw that too as well, which uh, what you did with Vue. Yeah, it was very cool. It's been cool. Sort of riding along on on Matt's coattails a little bit and 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 getting a bit of exposure but it's it's been a lot of fun and um, getting out there doing some writing as you said with um eric barnes uh, on on his dot dev website last sort of 12 months or so so uh, what's your current title right now uh my current title i believe is just developer okay and what's what's the company that you work for right now company's called hostworks so we're basically a australian based small scale Amazon, I guess you'd say. Um, so we do a lot of managed uh, hosting services there. Um, I don't have too much to do with that side of the business. I'm in 
uh, a sub team called The Foundry, um, and we're building out our media platform. So we do uh, live streaming. Uh, we did some uh, live sports, the uh, Australian Open earlier this year, um, and also a lot of transcode for multi-bitrate uh, VOD content as well, which is uh, some cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds very complicated. Yeah. How about yourself? What's your story? Um, yeah, so I... You know, I feel like most of the developers these days, we kind of did grow up with computers. We didn't grow up with the internet necessarily, but we all kind of have uh, that in common that we had these early kind of childhood experiences with uh, with computers. Uh, I remember my cousins having a uh, computer similar to the one you described, where it was just essentially a DOS prompt. And I remember the first game I played was Roger Rabbit, and that was amazing. And uh, my parents got a Packard Bell when I was a kid, and... Uh, my big thing was I would make these posters that would print out on that dot matrix, those dot matrix printers. You remember like that, that paper that had the stuff you yeah. tear off on the end, you know, that laser Great printer sounds. or whatever. Yeah. And you'd make these big birthday banners for your you know family or whatever. But, uh, I messed around with that all the time. Uh, remember I terrified my mother as well. And my father's, so I remember, um, we'd only had this computer for a week. And I got a blue screen. Of course, I had no idea what that was at the time, but just freaked out. You know, thought I had broken the family computer. It was, of course, extremely expensive. Oh man, it was it was a bad day uh, in the Bennett household. But uh, got it fixed, and um, then you know, up through. I, I lived in a neighborhood, played outside all the time, had tons of friends or whatever. Um, you know, in the neighborhood while I was growing up. But then in seventh grade, we moved out to the country. There was nobody out there. I didn't have a license and I couldn't go anywhere. So I, um, I was just on the internet all the time. Right. And just kind of trying to find an outlet to do something. And so I ended up, uh, you remember that was back in the flash days. Remember Macromedia flash. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh yeah. Uh, if you ever got into that, but, uh, I was, I got a, uh, pirated version of flash of course, and, (laughs) and, uh, made quite a few, uh, just, you know, websites for myself or whatever. Um, ended up, I got on these message boards and kind of was like showing people my, my website or whatever. And this, the newest one that I had made and was, you know, uh, was actually approached by a guy to, to make a website. So I made my first website that I actually got paid for when I was in ninth grade, but it was just, you know, it was all HTML and CSS looked horrible. I wish I still had a copy of it, but, um, you know, it was just, it was amazing. I remember that feeling being like, I got my first job doing computer stuff and that was super cool. So, uh, that kind of carried me through high school. I I was always on the computer and always learning stuff. Um, but never, I didn't know if I wanted to pursue it as a career, mostly because my fear was that, um, I'm very much like an extrovert and I did not want to spend my life behind a, a computer monitor. Um, and so I ended up actually studying to become a secondary math ed teacher. So I taught, high school math, algebra, calculus, all that stuff for about three years straight out of college. Did, did, did websites on the side for, uh, you know, for forever. Um, got into some of the PHP, my SQL stuff, but never really had enough time to learn it well enough that I could remember it. It seems like I would get a job. I would, I would have to look up all the documentation and I would do the site. And then by the time I got around to doing another one, a couple months later, I'd have to look it all up again. I had forgotten it all. And so, um, long story short, uh, I was working at this school and had a friend who I had known from college offer me a job at the place that I'm working now. Um, 
to kind of just do some IT support desk sort of stuff. So went there, um, kind of wedged my way into doing some development stuff. And once they recognized kind of the value of that, um, that pretty much became like my full-time position there, just doing development stuff. I left after a year, went to a nonprofit called Spread Truth, which does some awesome stuff. Uh, worked there for a year and then came back to the place where I'm at, which is called Wilbur. And uh, it's actually a law firm, but um, work on a lot of internal applications. So it's pretty cool. I get to have complete control over the environment that my users are consuming my applications in. So everybody has to use the latest version of Chrome, which is really awesome. Um, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, that's that's yeah. the way it should be. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, all that IE stuff, forget about it. So it's... Uh, it's awesome. It's a really, really fun job. I get to solve some really interesting problems. Uh, I am pretty much like a one-man show. There's my boss is is a developer as well, but he doesn't do it every day. So uh, I get to make a lot of the decisions about kind of the stack that we use. Uh, so we use Laravel, MySQL. Used to be CodeIgniter. We have some CodeIgniter stuff that's legacy. Um, been dabbling in Vue a little bit, of course. Like uh, maybe a couple of years ago, the first time I was at Wilbur, jQuery all over the place, spaghetti jQuery everywhere. Uh, I wasn't brave enough to get into like backbone or any of the stuff that was going on then. Uh, but really starting to look into view and uh, very interested in that. I think it's a big thing in the Laravel community right now, which we're both involved in. Um, yeah. So uh, SAS over less. I like SAS. Uh, Good. And yeah, other than that, I don't know. It's, I've been getting a lot more into command line lately and that's something I've really, um, I've been doing it for a while, right? But like bash commands and stuff like that. Um, it's been fun. I've been doing some programming with that lately. So yeah, that's kind of my story. That's where I'm at right now and uh, loving it. It's great. Awesome. And you're based in Chicago, right? We are. I'm a little bit south of Chicago, a couple hours south of Chicago. So sure. Um, yeah. So I, I remember when we moved here being like, oh my gosh, I'm so close to Chicago. I'm gonna go there all the time. And I've, you know, I was probably there more when I lived in, in uh, Michigan than I, uh, than I have been since I've been here in Illinois. So that's just how it goes. You know, you get busy life. So, and Michael, you are married. That is correct. I am. Yeah. Uh, been just uh, about a year and a half. Okay. So I was married awesome. Congratulations, of 2014. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Newlywed and stage still. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I and and uh, how old are you, Michael? Tell me. I don't know how old you are. Twenty. I just turned twenty-nine last week. Okay. So. All right. So we're not too far apart. I'm thirty-one. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. I'm a couple a couple years ahead of you, but uh, yep, <laughs> I am married as well. Oh man, let's see. Uh, two thousand eight. So it's been almost eight years. Coming up at the end of this month, it'll be eight years. Uh, and cool. then I have three kids. So life is very nice. busy. Oh man, it's a Excellent. blast, but it is busy. Yeah. So I've taken to waking up early to get anything done development-wise. And that's just been a recent thing for me. Uh, try to get up at five each morning and it's the only way to get anything done, I swear. <laughs> Great. So uh, why don't we talk a little bit about how we, how we met? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know the specifics of, of how you stumbled upon it, but it was probably, I think, February last year, I, I came up with this... Um, nullable fields package for the Laravel framework um, because there were a lot of situations where I was creating nullable fields in my databases but there was no easy way within the framework itself 
to actually mark an empty string as null. So you ended up with all of these fields that had that could have been null that ended up if no value was was added to that property it was then stored as an empty string and then you've got to check for empty strings and nulls and and things like that and so that was my first foray into um building first of all a laravel package and then and getting that out there and i'm not sure how you came across it um but i think that's probably the first time that we did actually uh, sort of meet online and i think we've been talking fairly regularly via Twitter and and we've had a few Google Hangouts now as well. Yeah. Uh, since then. Yeah, I don't remember honestly how I stumbled upon it either. I just knew I had a need for it and I I don't know if I found it on a Laracast form or what. I can't I don't remember. But I remember being like this is exactly what I need. Like this is the thing that I need. And so I installed it and I like messaged you on Twitter. I was like, "Dude, this is awesome. This is like the best package ever." I was like, "Thank you so much." And so I think I made a pull request or something too. Maybe there was like one thing that it was doing. Yeah, that there was, was one in there. Yeah, it was causing me a little bit of of headache. I think there were, it was something to do with arrays. If it was like if it was there wasn't cast at that time. Laravel didn't have a cast property yeah. for the models, but but it was something like that anyway. And um, but yeah, I was working with this massive database that I needed everything to be nulled if it was empty. And so it just worked perfectly. And I was telling you even earlier before we started the podcast that I have a, a project right now that I literally using on every model because i feel like it's so much easier to to check a like is null instead of like a trim string empty check or something like that yeah you know or definitely equals you know equal equal nothing or equal equal empty string it's just it feels like is null is such a cleaner way to check for for that um that's right yeah and if you know that it's always going to go into the database that way then you know you only ever have to do that one check if it's null it's not there otherwise you know you've got some data that you can work with absolutely yep yep so anyway that's been super cool um and you actually recently wrote a uh another package for cascading soft deletes isn't that right yeah yeah so that was another thing that i'd seen crop up in a few places and i actually wrote that package i found out after the fact about a week after someone else had had written a very similar package and the main differences between that one and and mine and i guess we'll put them in the show notes all these packages is that the other package also offered a, a restore functionality um which i i intentionally chose to leave out um simply because you have no way of knowing when you soft delete something and then cascade those deletes when when that delete happens. So you don't know if you've got, for example, a blog post with comments, if you moderated out a comment three weeks ago and then you've deleted the blog post and then cascaded all the deletes. So if you want to bring that back, you don't know which are the actual deleted ones and which were deleted as a result of that cascade. And that's exactly the same way as a MySQL foreign key constraint would work as well. So... Um, look, it, it, it's hard sometimes, yeah. you, you know, you want to cater for the majority of cases, but you'll, you'll always get these edge cases and different people will have um, different ways of using it. And I guess at the end of the day, that's why these things are on GitHub, because if you have a particular use case, you can fork and, and do your own thing. For sure. And uh, I actually was, um, uh, for those people who don't know what a soft delete is, essentially is instead of... Um, instead of actually marking a, or actually deleting a record from the database, right? You just have a field called deleted at or whatever you might name it. And if there's a timestamp present in it, then you just scope all your queries to say, if it doesn't have a deleted, or if the deleted is null, then it's a 
viable record. Otherwise, you know, exclude it from your from your queries. Um, so these soft deletes, you know, typically, you know, if you're using a foreign key constraint like you were talking about, you could use MySQL to do like a cascading delete on it. But with these soft deletes, it's not really, I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if you can do that with MySQL or not. But uh, but anyway, yeah, Laravel has that built in. And, and so uh, that'd be a valuable addition to the tool belt to be able to have that, uh, those cascading soft deletes. I know that's something I've needed before as well. I haven't used the package yet, but planning on checking it out sometime soon. So excellent. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Uh, on to what we're working on. So as far as like open source things, I've got one thing that I just worked on today. You might, you, you did see it actually. Did you see that voice timer, that voice activated yeah. timer? Yeah, that looked yeah. cool. It's basically, I wanted something that you didn't have to check a stopwatch or use Siri or whatever for setting a timer. I wanted something that if you're using your computer to do your workout or whatever, that you're doing if you're watching like a video or, or whatever um, to be able to quickly just set a timer and be able to just get audio cues back for it without having to like push a button on your phone or whatever. So essentially what I wanted is I wanted to be able to say set a timer for 30 seconds and I wanted the notification that said it started and then a notification when it ended, just an audio notification. So I had seen this, um, I don't, there's a guy that I'm mentoring at work uh, and there was this really cool JavaScript plugin called I'm, I'm going to slaughter it on Yang on young on young. I think that's right on young. Isn't that like, that's a joke in, um, <laughs> arrested development on young. That's oh. it. That's what it must be. Yeah. It's how you say hello in Korean, I think, or something like that. Right. Yes. That must be it on young. That must be the name <laughs> of the JavaScript library. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's a, uh, it's a voice recognition JavaScript library. So it basically, Oh my gosh, the syntax for it is incredible. The API is just, perfect so you type out the string that you want it to recognize and you have placeholders for the values that you want to capture so when i said set timer for 30 seconds you write out as a string set timer for and then you put a placeholder and then you put seconds and so what it does is it recognizes that string captures that value and then feeds it to whatever function you want to send it to um works most of the time, there's a couple gotchas uh, that you have to be aware of. Like you have to serve it on an HTTPS site so that it remembers their preference when they come back the next time or doesn't ask them every three seconds if they want to allow the microphone. Um, but anyway, after I, after I found that package, it was very trivial. I just basically ripped a couple things from a couple of people who had some other projects that you know were open source, whatever, grabbed a, a, a quick timer um, uh, a couple icons from some places and just kind of threw it together. It seems to work pretty well. And I actually already have an issue on the, I've literally put it up this morning and somebody put an issue on there saying that awesome. multiple timers don't work. It was just like, ah. I'm sure that's like a five, it would probably be like a five minute problem to solve. <laughs> They're just yeah. a pull request. But anyway, that was kind of fun. It was a really fun project to work on. Um, I've got a couple other ones. I'm kind of holding, holding the cards close to the chest right now. I, I uh, have a few <laughs> other secret projects I'm working on that maybe will be released in the next, I don't know. I, I was the idea was for it to be rather simple um yeah but they might be growing Everything starts out really simple right e- exactly exactly <laughs> other than that i'm working on uh, i'm actually so adam wathen released his uh, refactoring to collections book a couple like this last week mm-hmm. or maybe two weeks ago and yeah. uh projects that i'm working on at work is dealing with a lot of these massive data sets right now these huge huge data sets that i have to pull in and so i've had a lot of opportunities to work with collections recently so i've been uh, really practicing a lot and loving uh, the collection pipeline style of doing things instead of tons of nested for eaches, uh, which we've probably all been there before. Yep. And so, um, 
Yeah, we'll have to link that up in the show notes. If you haven't checked that book out, you should definitely do so. Uh, well worth your time, well worth your money. So how about you, Michael? What you been working on? Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've actually on holidays for a week at the moment. So I've had a, a bit of time to sit down and, and catch up on some various things. Um, tell, me, tell me what this holiday is. What is this Australian holiday you guys are off for a week for? Oh, it's just, it's no, no reason. I, it was because it was my birthday last week as part of, um, as part of my employment, we actually get a free day off work. So it's like you're there. Oh, for your birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we get, it, it's basically a, an annual leave day that, that doesn't come out of annual leave. Um, and because my wife and I have birthdays a day after each other, uh, we just thought we would take a week off work just to, oh, there you go. just to recharge. Okay. So yeah, I didn't know if it was actually like I didn't know if it was actually like a scheduled like Australian holiday time off of work, but then you guys call vacation holiday, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, vacation. Um, and then we've got I guess you call it a bank holiday. We we call them public holidays. So next Monday's a a, a public holiday. So we are, we ended up getting like an eleven day break for the cost of five annual leave days. So wow, that's we'll, awesome. Uh, we'll take that. That worked out really well. Um, but yeah, as as a result, um, I actually had someone on Twitter ask me last week if I had a, a list of, of good podcasts to listen to. And as part of that, I went and actually added um, another section to my website of all the podcasts that I do listen to. Um, and it turns out there's actually quite a few of them. Um, so I ended up, you know, ranking them by the podcasts that I listen to most frequently, the ones that I enjoy the most. Um, and yesterday I added some statistics to that to that page. Um, so that shows how many episodes there are of those podcasts, the average length, the average time to release um, and things like that. Um, and this morning, just before I jumped on the call with you, I was working on adding um, something that leverages that functionality to basically allow you to put in the URL to a website or an RSS feed and it'll spit out those statistics for for any any website. So um, yeah, I was just wiring that together with a with a little view component onto that same page. So I hope to have that out later today. Awesome work, dude. That's super cool. Um, it's funny because you've always said, you're like, is everybody conspiring again? Like everybody releases <laughs> their podcast on the same day. And it's like, that's you right. found out basically that's true, right? Like you found yeah. out that's, it is like everybody that's does. Right. They all yeah. on I the same day. On, on my, uh, in Overcast, I've got, I think it's probably 33 or so subscriptions and the majority of them all come out on a Tuesday. So yeah, I've, I've proven it now that you're all, because I'll, I'll go like three, four days with nothing to listen to. And then all of a sudden I've got six podcasts and they're all an hour or so in length. So speaking of podcast, um, like software or apps, I suppose, what's the, what's your one you use? Uh, to listen Overcast. Overcast. Yeah. I've heard of that. I've, I just been using the default uh, podcast thing for my, you know, iPhone or whatever. Yeah, I'm not super stoked with it though. It's it's. I don't feel like it works very well. I feel like it doesn't tell me when I have new episodes. Really, it's not. It doesn't. It's not great. It's not great. It'll tell me that I have unplayed episodes that I've already listened to. Mm-hmm. It just seems kind of buggy. I don't know. Uh, so I'm thinking about changing. I might check that out. Yeah, Overcast just put out some updates this week that. Um, significantly improve the, I think the sync speed and the and the, um, I don't know what the word is, but basically, if you've got Overcast installed on multiple devices, um, it syncs up the played and unplayed ones much better than than it used to. Um, so you can, pick, I think you can pick up from one and and start listening on the on the other. I think, I could be wrong about that. 
<laughs> but definitely if you've it will download the podcast on both so that you know if you listen to it on one it'll it'll mark it i'm pretty sure i was played on the other and mm-hmm. um, yeah I, yeah pretty much most of my podcast listening i just do on my phone like i don't i pretty much that's the only spot i listen to it at but mm-hmm. um yeah i can see how that yeah, definitely check though. it out um before i forget we can make this the last thing uh we, we did want to talk about serializes model yes as well so this is a laravel specific thing um but on a so you have these jobs that you can create in laravel that are really easy to create straight from the command lines uh php artisan make uh job and it'll create a new job for you in the app jobs folder and uh, these jobs are super useful because you can dispatch these jobs from pretty much anywhere. There's a, there's a global helper, just just dispatch. And uh, then you new up the job and pass in any of the parameters. And one of my favorite things about those is that you can queue them. So these jobs that you want to happen, but you don't want to happen synchronously, you want to happen in the background you can just create a new job. And the example that I used in the blog post that I said was send welcome email, which is a super common thing, right? So you have a new user that comes to your website, they sign up and as common as it is to send an email, it actually takes a kind of a long time, which is insane. I mean, and we're talking long time in web terms, right? A couple seconds maybe. Yeah. So that's something that you want to like throw to the background. So this makes it super easy. You create a Laravel job, uh, and then all you do is you uh, implement, I believe it's implement, should queue on the job. So at the very end, it says, usually implements, I think by default, it says self-handling. You just change that to should queue. And whatever you have your queue set up to be, whether it's database or iron or whatever it is, it'll push it to your queue. And then when you have your queue listener running in the background, it'll just fire it whenever it gets a chance to get around to it, which is awesome. Um so the thing that Laravel allows you to do is it allows you to pass your jobs an entire model. So you just, instead of grabbing the one specific piece of data you need uh, from that model, you just pass the entire model through to this job. And what it will do is if it's a queued job, instead of serializing all the values and then storing that in the queue, uh, what it does is it just stores the identifier for that model. So whatever the ID is, whatever you would use to go grab that thing from the database. Uh, and then when it actually marshals the job to go run it it will re-grab that data uh re-query the database for that identifier grab back the information and then give it to your job to use Um, and so we talked about the reason why that is important is because a lot of times when you have uh, you know worst case scenario you have maybe you're trying to send a welcome email and if you were to instead of serializing the model just pass the email address that value would be serialized onto the queue if your user then changed their email before your job got marshaled and run, then it would be sending to an incorrect email address. Whereas if you use the serializes model, it will actually pull the latest data straight from the database at the moment that it runs your job, um, which is pretty important. It can cause you some serious problems if you try and serialize values that aren't static, right? Changing values. Um, And so I had a little blog post written up on that and uh, we'll link that in the show notes as well. But uh, you said that that was something that you've kind of been bitten by before as well. Yeah, not, not so much the functionality itself, but the way that um, the serializes models trait actually works is using PHP's underlying magic sleep method. 
And what that does is overwrites the way that calling serialized will actually work on that model. So it goes, you know, if this is an instance of, I think, model, um, then serialize a model identifier object, otherwise serialize the object. And what I was doing um, for uh, a project at work was we were building out these workflows where you could specify any number of different tasks that were configured in the system and basically using the database as a state machine to then transition between each step. And it was all working fine until I started then using those same um, tasks to then build out the front ends where you would specify like a name and a description. Um, and what was then happening was because I was doing that as static properties on the method, I was just getting errors. And I spent three, four, five hours just pulling my hair out trying to figure out what was going on. And I was looking at the PHP docs and the PHP docs say, you know, you can't serialize private properties but the serializer's models trait actually goes through reflects using the reflection oh, library. Yeah. So it will then go through and it will set the visibility to public. So you don't have to worry about public or private or protected methods, uh, properties on your model. But what it doesn't say is that it can't actually serialize static properties. So whilst it was whilst it was saying that here's this property, it couldn't actually then serialize that static value. Um, so I ended up switching them out for constants. It's just something I guess to be careful of. I don't think it, it's a particularly common thing. I don't think many people would have static properties on their task. It's just the way that we were um, building out these, basically we're calling them handlers for our jobs. We needed some way of then building up the front end interfaces so that we could you know, plug them all together to create a new workflow. Um, but other than that, using Laravel's events and its, um, you know, its queuing system for jobs and things like that, um, once I overcame this undocumented uh, quote unquote feature, um, <laughs> yeah, it look it's 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 a thing of beauty. It really is. That's awesome. Yeah, Laravel makes it so nice for queuing. Um, it's just one of those things I take for granted anymore. I use you know. I, maybe to a fault i don't i don't think so but maybe to a fault i use q q jobs all the time um but it's just so convenient and it really one of the other things the reasons i use it for email so often is because i've had instances where amazon simple email service will go down right and so if there was an email that was trying to send the only way that you're going to be able to get that email back is to like check your error logs like if you if you're not queuing those if you're just sending them synchronously good luck trying to figure out which emails got missed and whatever. Whereas if you're queuing all those jobs, it's first going to your queue and then it's getting sent. And so if you get a failed job, it goes to your failed jobs table um, and no big deal. You just retry all, you know, you just um, retry all your failed jobs and there go all your emails. So it's been a great safety net for me uh, a couple times and has really, uh, as the blog post says, saved my bacon. So is that a, is that an Australian saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I should also mention it is 10 o'clock here. I am Chicago time and it is what time there? Is it noon? Uh, yeah, 1230. 12.30. Okay, that's right. It's like 14 and a half hours ahead. I don't understand that. How that yeah, happens. The, the, the half hour is just crazy. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand it. Who came up with the rules? <laughs> Who knows? Awesome, man. Well, dude, it's been great talking to you and uh, good you. first podcast. And so we'll, uh, we'll wrap this one up. Anything else you wanted to say? 
No, I think uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, All right. We'll uh, we'll get this out onto the internet somehow, somewhere, and uh, we'll put it out through our social networks, and hopefully, we get some traction with it. Absolutely. And by the time it gets out there, we will just say in advance, like us, rate us on iTunes. That's like one of those things you kind of have to say at the end of a podcast, right? Yeah. Like us and rate us up on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. I'm not sure if you get, uh, you, what do you get some bonus points or something? If you get a good rating, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, Probably. I think it, it, it must, maybe. yeah, it puts it higher up on the rankings, I think. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Hey, thanks, Michael. Thank you, Jake.